So
just come before you this morning. Father, I, my prayer is, God, that our hearts could rejoice. It is well with our soul this morning. Lord, not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we have accomplished, Father, or that we could sing, it is well with my soul because of what you have done in and through our lives. Lord, the reality is, is I know that not everyone here this morning can sing that, Father, because there's things in their lives, Lord, there's obstacles and there's difficulties and there's so many things, Father, that keep them from your love, Lord. I want to pray this morning. Lord, maybe for the very first time, someone will experience the love of who you are this morning in their lives. Lord, that they will experience that peace and the joy that you offer every single day. And God, we thank you for who you are, for what you have done, God. And I thank you, Lord, for what you've already done this morning, Lord. Lord, we offer ourselves before you, and I pray, God, that everything that is said and done uh, this morning, Father, will lift you up. God, I want to pray for even other churches, even in town right now, God, who are proclaiming the good news of who you are. God, I pray, Lord, that lives would be changed. Lord, that you would grow your church. Lord, that I pray, God, that your spirit would be actively working, Lord, in and through our lives. So, Father, again, we love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, uh, I know it's already been said a thousand times, but I think a thousand and one will never hurt. Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother, uh, we just want you to know that we hope that you feel loved, um, especially by your family. There's so many things that you guys do um, that it goes unseen sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Some of the, some of the things that you guys do is just feel, I just want you to know that... Uh, it's every single choice that you make, every single act of love that you do, um, it, it plays an impact, whether someone praises you or not. So um, thank you again, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, well, I'm so glad to be uh, here this morning just to, uh, to witness the child dedication and the Mother's Day, but more than that, just uh, um, as we're looking at this idea called impact, the church on the move, and as I was even preparing some of my notes and everything, I started thinking like, you know, this church in Acts, the beginning of Acts, this is a church that was on fire. This is a church that uh, it was on fire. Oh, I've got a little bit of feedback, sorry. Uh, and, and here's my thought, like, what is different between that church and our church today, you know, the church of Christ today? Like, well, what's the difference in that? And it got me to thinking, I think the difference is that the, the, those people were on fire. See, for the church to be on fire, the people have to be on fire. And so for some of us, I, my prayer as we go throughout this series is simply this, that God would set your heart on fire for His. So let's go ahead and open up the book of Acts. I had an awesome Mother's Day sermon prepared for you guys, and Brandon was like, no, let's just stick with Acts. So I was like, perfect. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, Acts chapter 3, we're going to pick, pick up right where Brandon left off last week. If you remember the story last week, there was a, uh, a crippled man, right? He was sitting by the beautiful gate, and um, Peter and John came. They looked at him and said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
pick up your mat and walk. And so at that moment, he was healed. And today, we're going to look at some of the ramifications because that was an awesome story and that's an awesome miracle. But what happens after the miracle? Because sometimes, we're going to be honest, it's the, the things that happen after the highs. You know, what do we do then? And so we're going to look at this story. We're going to pick up in, uh, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Verse 14, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked an murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus in Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray right now, guys, we open up your word that you would open up our hearts. God, I pray that you would do it only you can do, and that's transform us from the inside out. Father, would you just speak right now, Father? We give you this time. We give you this space. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point I want to make is this. We're going to run through these. Put your seatbelts on. We're going to be going fast. First point I want to make is this. Make the most of every opportunity. I think sometimes as Christians, we let opportunities simply pass by. There's so many times that God is opening up doors. You know, we're praying, God, would you move? God, would you work? And so many times God's like, I'm I'm orchestrating this all in the background. And, you know, he's given us times and moments in our lives where he's bringing certain people whether that's friends, coworkers, maybe it's your children asking a certain question. You're like, man, I can't believe they asked that. Well, it's this idea of, listen, we are called to make the most of every opportunity. We are. That's what our job in this life is as Christ followers. And I love this. So Peter and John, they've just healed this man. And there's, there's now beginning thousands of people. Are, they've heard about this healing. And now they're coming up. And here they are in Solomon's Colonnade, which just it was a little off the temple. It was on one of the sides. And they're coming up. And they can see the man who was crippled. They see him healed. And the people... Peter sees these people and it hits him. He's like, this is it. This is a chance for me to share Christ with these people. And I love that he just takes advantage of this opportunity. And so many times, that's what, that just gets me thinking of my life. How many opportunities do I just like kind of slip by? I just, you know, I've got a chance to share my faith, but it's like, uh, you know, what are they going to think? Oh, what, you know, well, what's going to happen if I share? What if they don't, you know, what if they just kind of reject me or, you know, reject my faith? And it's like, we start letting doubt creep in so many times. I love this. Peter, he just stands up and he sees the crowd. And he says, this is my opportunity to share the gospel, to share the Jesus that I know. Um, Peter gets a little deep in this. You know, as he's talking to these people, he starts getting a little deep. And, you know, he actually gets a, even a little bit convicting in his sermon here. This is the second sermon he's given. But this one, he, he kind of, the first one was just kind of a broad repent and be baptized. This one's more of a like convicting, like, here's what you did, but here's who our Jesus is. And so this is where I think their story, Peter's sermon, this is where it intersects with us. Um, because of this, we, we are guilty. Look at, ver- look at verse 13 of chapter 3 there. Verse 13, it says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed, listen to this, listen. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to to you. You killed the author of life. 
You, you catch it? That's, and I, I, love, I would love to be the crippled man just holding on to Jesus, right? And it's just, or holding on to Peter thinking, you guys did this. You know, you guys did But let's be honest. The truth is, is we're in the crowd. The truth is, is that that was us. Jesus, you know, he, he died on the cross. He was sent to the cross, not just because of the sin of, of the people that Peter was speaking to, but because of your sin and because of my sin. We are guilty. So why we want to cling to Peter and say, yeah, you tell them, Peter, they disowned Jesus. They killed Jesus. They killed the author of life. You see, the truth is that while Peter was bringing the hammer, he was hitting you and me. He was hitting my heart and your heart. Um, the truth is that Jesus was arrested and crucified by the ones he came to save. The truth is, is the, the sin that you and I struggle with daily, Christ died for that sin too. You know, I think sometimes we like to just kind of, oh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for sin. Well, Jesus died for the sin that you committed yesterday, that you're going to commit today, and that you're going to commit in the future. See, Jesus, the, the, he was crucified for those sins as well. Like, don't just, you know, we want to cling to Peter and say, yeah, tell him. But truth is, we'd be pointing the fingers at ourselves. And so the moment we realize that our sin is what put Jesus on the cross is when we begin to see the gravity, the weight of our sin. But more than that, it's, the be- it's, it's whenever we get to see the amazing picture of the grace of God, right? The, the moment you realize how big your sin is, you know, we like to think of our sin as something little, Something that's not as bad as the next person, right? It's not as bad as what that... But the truth is, is that in the eyes of God, sin is sin. And sin was a big deal. It's the whole reason Jesus came. So once we see the gravity of our sin, it's at that very moment we get to see the amazing picture of the grace and forgiveness that's only found in our Savior. And that's what Peter's conveying here. That's what he's saying here. Peter isn't just pointing the finger at them. He would later go on to say in his epistle, in his letter, he would write this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. Listen to this. He says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. Talking about Jesus. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore, listen to this. This is Peter, right? He bore our sins. So I know during this sermon, it seems like he's pointing the finger, but now he's saying he bore our sins, saying my sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And I love, he quotes Isaiah, he says, for by his wounds, we are healed. He's telling them, listen, there's only one way for you to be completely healed. You see this man holding on to me? He was healed. How? Because of his faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one name. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. So we are called to be witnesses. So we look at verses 15 and 16 in chapter 3 there. It says this, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. See, don't miss this, but you killed him. You disowned him. But God raised him from the dead. But God planned this, and God knew what he was doing, and God raised him from the dead. And what? We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man you see, and now is made strong, it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. We are all witnesses to this, and I love Peter. He, he's, um, 
you know, at this point in his life, you know, he's walked with Jesus. He's seen Jesus working. He's, he's heard the parables, you know, firsthand of what Jesus was teaching. He's seen the miracles firsthand. He was part of the ones who was picking up the, the breadcrumbs after Jesus has fed the 5,000. You see, Peter's life, he's been following. He's been learning from him. And so Peter's saying, hey, we're, we're a witness. But more than that, after the crucifixion took place, remember, Jesus he came back and he shows up to the disciples. And so Peter is a witness of that, that Jesus is no longer dead. He's alive. And this is where, honestly, if you've been a little bit skeptical, or if you were, or maybe people were back then, of this whole resurrection thing, this is where we see the power of Christ portrayed in Peter's life at such an amazing time. Um, because you see here, think about it. Just a few months ago, these guys, Peter... And all of his buddies, all the disciples, they were doing what? What were they doing before the day of Pentecost? They were hiding out in a room, right? They were locking themselves in a, in a room so that no one could find them. They were scared for their lives, weren't they? Yeah, they were scared for that. But now this same Peter is actually up at the temple preaching the name of Jesus to the very people who we're going to see in a little bit actually put Jesus to death. And so that got me thinking, like, well, what about our lives? Has there been a time in your life where you can undoubtedly say, Jesus is alive? Not because, not because that's what my pastor said, not because that's what the church I go to says, but because you've witnessed it. You've seen Jesus working in you and through you. You've seen him at work around you. And you undoubtedly can say, you know what, without question, my Jesus is alive because I believe that if we, if we believe that, if we trust in that, that it totally changes our lives. It changes everything. You see, if Jesus is actually alive and you place your trust in him, that impacts your life. How do I know that? Because it impacted Peter's life. You see, if Jesus wasn't alive, I don't think Peter's making this statement. I don't think he's preaching this sermon. But because Jesus is alive, we see the impact it has on Peter and John. Um, skip down to chapter 4. Here's the thing. Anytime God is working in your life, anytime you're trying to share your faith, anytime you are following Jesus to the best of your ability, I want you to know this. There will be opposition. There will be something that stands in the way. And the reason I know that is because I can turn in my Bible to Genesis. There was opposition from the very beginning. There was. And Adam and Eve, right, in the garden, there was opposition in the garden. There was a serpent telling them, did God really say that? And so in your life, in my life, we would be foolish to think if this Christian life is all just, you know, just, just roses and no thorns. We would be foolish to think that everything's just going to be grand and awesome. Because there, the truth is, is what? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be times in your life whenever you're going through a trial, a tribulation, a storm. And then what? What do you do? Expect it. Expect opposition to come. Um, and look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John. So now these thousands of people are hearing Peter's sermon. Well, now word, you know, the, the Jewish ruling council catches word of what's going on. So they come up and they see Peter and John. And the, the, let's, let's see what happens. They came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in the, Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Is that not awesome? 
Is that not awesome? They're, they're coming up. They're, they're trying to stop what's going on, but it's like it's too late. Peter's already shared, and God's already worked, and five more thousand people have now come into this group called the Way, or called the, the, the Christians, the, the Jesus followers, 5,000 more people, simply because Jesus, Peter took the opportunity to share his Jesus to other people. And I love that, but here's the opposition. Here's, you know, here, here's the, the people coming in. The Sanhedrin um, was basically the Jewish ruling council at the time. It was, it was made up of about 70 members or 71 members. You would have basically the scribes, the Pharisees, and some Sadducees. And then you would have um, just some lawyers of the day. And then you would have the high priest. He was kind of the presiding officer over the Sanhedrin or the Jewish ruling temple or uh, synagogue of that time. And so that's kind of what that is. So they're coming to Peter and, and they're saying, hey, what's going on? You guys knock it off. We don't want to hear about this. But because it was late in the day, they basically just threw him in jail. So now Peter and John, they're spending the night in jail. And and I love this because here is the question. Here's the question they ask. By what power or what name did you do this? By what power or what name did you do this? We see that in verse 7. They asked, Peter and John were brought before them and they began to question them. So the next day they come in, they bring Peter and John into the, you know, picture. This is, all the people are gone now. Okay, this is the Jewish ruling council. These are the, you know, this is like the court of the time for the Jewish people here, for the Israelites. And now they're standing, you know, they're, they're, they're standing before, standing before 71 men. Asking to give an account of what has happened. So these men, here's their question. By what power or what name did you do this? And I started thinking about that question because here's, here's basically what they're asking. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing that? And I thought that's a very good question even for us sometimes, isn't it? Why do you do what you do? Well, you know, why... Why, why, do you go, why do you go to work every day? Why do you choose to be a mother and have kids? That is, that is a choice for most of us, I'm pretty sure. Um, why, why? Why do you do that? Why do you, why do you choose to go into this profession? Why do you choose to go to that college? Why? Why? Honestly, why? And so as, as we're thinking about this, I want us to see like, Here's the thing, and we're going to see from Peter and John why they're doing what they're doing, but I want you guys to be thinking about that. Why why do you do what you do? We see that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at at Peter. He steps up again, verse 8, chapter 4. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you and is healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. I love this. So basically, he's asking, why why do you do what you do? And he says, you know what? We do what we do because of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. We have kids to raise them up to follow Jesus Christ. We go to work... To make a living, but also to show our co-workers the love of Jesus Christ. You're at school, guess what? You're doing what you're doing because of Jesus Christ and the role He has played in your life. Why do you do what you do? And so the, the 
like I said, the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, they're just, they're, they're hitting them. They're trying to, you know, get them to crack a little bit. And, and I love this because we see the power that the Holy Spirit plays in Peter's life. He is now in, in front of the people. You, you don't miss this. He's in front of the people that actually crucified Christ now. Like, it, he's, he's in front of the very people that sent Jesus Christ to the cross. He's in front of those people now. See, before it was just a crowd. People that, you know, they, they, they didn't have a whole lot of power. These people now, they have power. They, can, they, they could kill him at any instant because they've already killed the one he follows. They could do that at any time they want to flip over real quick. John chapter 18. We're going we're, we're gonna to flip over there real quick. I just want you to catch this. Listen. John chapter 18, verse, starting in verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus. So this is, this is the time that Jesus is being questioned. Listen, listen. To this. They questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Verse 20, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I have always taught in synagogues or at the temple where the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus said, if I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. See, Annas and Caiaphas, we skipped over it, but if you look in verses 2 and 3, we see who's there. Of chapter 4, if you, look, if you look in those verses, you see it's the high priest. It's Annas. It's Caiaphas. The very same people that crucified Jesus, now Peter's standing in front of them. But hold on. Stay in John for just a second, because right after this, Meanwhile, verse 25, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself by the fire. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it. I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden again? Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Wow. Is that not amazing? The very same people who crucified him. Peter's already denied. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. And now he's before the exact same people. What's different this time? What, what's, the, what's the difference? The only difference that I can see is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is playing such an active part in Peter's life. Because we get back to our story. Do you want to know why we do what we do, Peter says? It's all because of Jesus and what he has done for us. It's like, bam, the fourth time, you know, three times Peter denies him. Three times, it's like the fourth time Peter finally gets it because he's before the same group of guys. Hey, what are you doing? Who are, why, who, by, by what power are you doing this? Peter, he's already, he denied Jesus three times. This fourth time, he doesn't. And that's why I believe God is a God of second chances. You know, sometimes, you know, I, mess, I messed it up. I missed it. I missed my opportunity. Don't worry. God is a God of second chances. And we see this, and I love this. The fourth time is a charm for Peter. He, he stands there and he says this. He says, the stone that you guys rejected has become the very cornerstone upon which salvation is built. That salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. It's like, not only does he, like, he hits this one out of the park. And so he's telling these guys, the Sanhedrin, the very same people that killed Jesus. It's as if he's inviting them to surrender to Jesus at this moment. Isn't that amazing? 
He's saying, you crucified him, but God raised him from the bed. Yeah, I might have been scared back in the garden, but I'm not scared anymore because Jesus Christ has given me the power to share. He's given me the power through the Holy Spirit, through himself, to share with you. And I want you to know that it's only through the exclusive name of Jesus that salvation can come to all who call upon him. So take note. We'll close with this. Take note. Look at verse 13. Back to Acts chapter 4. Back to our story here. When they saw, so now Peter's told them, he invites them, hey, Jesus, you killed him, but he loves you. Jesus, you disowned him, but he wants to know you. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, when we choose to follow Jesus, He changes us from the inside out. He, he does. It's not this idea, you don't just look good on the outside. Like Jesus said, let's work on some of the things on the inside. And so He begins to change us from the inside out. Peter and John had a boldness and courage about them that they didn't have before this time. They didn't, you know, it didn't come, we know that. We saw what they did under their own power, they hid in a room. But whenever they had the power of the Holy Spirit, they're out preaching. Not only are they preaching, they're preaching the very people that murdered Jesus and sent Him to the cross. So we, we know that through Jesus, He changes us from the inside out. But remember, it is a process. God is continually working. As we know in Peter and John's life, Peter still had mistakes. He still made some some blunders. We, we all do, but remember, it is a process. But I, I love what he says. He says they're unschooled, ordinary men. Like, who are these guys coming in here before the Sanhedrin? Who are these guys? You know, they, they can't, they shouldn't be. And he wasn't saying, they wasn't, he wasn't saying they were illiterate or anything. He was just saying, like, they haven't had any training. They haven't had any advanced training. But I love that because that's God's plan. You see, God's plan is to take normal, ordinary, everyday people and use them to turn the world upside down. How do I know that? Because that's what he did 2,000 years ago. And look at the difference it's made. Why, why, why wouldn't he be about the same thing today? Taking the normal, the ordinary. You see, Peter and John, they, they didn't go to the rabbi schools of their time. And sometimes I think we think, oh, I'm so unqualified. Oh man, I just, I just, I haven't been to seminary or I haven't been, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, you know, a teacher of any kind. It's like, hey, stop writing yourself off because God isn't writing you off. God is actually saying that's perfect. My power is going to be, be used inside of you because whenever they see that you're ordinary, it's like, well, if you're ordinary, you must have a very extraordinary God. Well, yeah, that's the idea. So these men, Peter and John, you see, they've learned more than every single ruling council member combined simply because they had been with Jesus. There's no books for that. There's no books for following Jesus. I mean, there is. There's the Bible. This is it. You want a book for following Jesus? This is it. You want a class for following Jesus? This is it. This is it. Follow them. Read, read, read your Bible. That, that's, that's the class. As Christ followers, shouldn't that be our goal? That people would be able, that they, they, they took note and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. As Christ followers, shouldn't that be our goal? I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is nothing greater that someone could recognize, that people would be able to recognize that you and that I have been with Jesus. Not because 
Not because of the church we go to, not because of the cars we drive, not because of the houses we live in, not because of the size of our bank account, not because of our popularity, not because of our talents. But what? Well, what does Jesus say in John chapter 13? People will know you are my followers by what? The way you love one another. That's how, that's how people are going to know. You, wanna, you want people to recognize you've been with Jesus? Love like Jesus. That's what Peter's doing here. You can't stop the impossible. Verse 17. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer in anyone, to anyone in this name. Then they called to them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than men. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, obeying God was a priority in their life. Top priority. We're going to obey God. Not just when it's convenient, not just when it's easy, not just when it fits into our box, not when it fits into our time. We're obeying God no matter what, all the time. And I love that in verse 20. We can't help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. It just, see, for Peter, he's saying like, it, we, we, can't, we can't help it. It just comes out. Like Jesus just comes out of my mouth. And I love that because let's be honest, most of the time we're not just speaking Jesus about or talking about our Lord and Savior all the time. What are we talking about? We're talking about sports. We're talking about weather. We're talking about relationships, right? We're talking about hurts. We're talking about disappointments. We're talking about goals that have been achieved. We're talking about our success. But here's the thing. All of those things in our lives should all point to Christ. I'm not, those things are not bad, but they should all be pointing to Christ. You see, Jesus comes up, you know, when you start talking about the weather, well, you know the one who controls the weather. You know, when you start talking about, you know, hurt and pain, well, you know someone who's felt every hurt and every pain that you could ever experience. You, you see, Jesus naturally comes up, should be coming up in those conversations. Why? Because he is too good. And he has made too big of an impact on our lives. And because of that impact, it should reverberate to every single part of our being. You see, Jesus, he's so good. He impacts us so much. He changes us so much. It's like you can't help but spill it out. So as we continue to go through this, uh, this series of impact, I want you guys to be thinking about that. Be, be thinking about, God, what are you what are you wanting to do in my life and through my life? Maybe for some of you, you've already kind of counted yourself out like this impact thing is real cool. This church in Acts, it was an awesome church, you know, but what does that have to do? Well, hey, that's the way God works. We see that through his word. It's, the question is this, is why do you do what you do? You know, is it, is it for you? Is it for personal gain? And I know sometimes, you know, you've got to make a living, but hopefully you will get to a point where Jesus made such an impact in your life. You do what you do because of Jesus and how great He is. That everything we do would slowly begin to revolve around Him. From mothers, on Mother's Day, to fathers, to being in school, workplace. Why do you do what you do? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. God, I thank You that, God, we are able to look at it and we are able to see Your heart. And 
Father, I want to pray right now over uh, every person in this room. God, I know this hits us all in different places, but I know that you're working. I know that you're speaking to us, God, because that's what you're about. So I pray, Father, that we would not turn a deaf ear to that, Father, but we would hear what you would have to say and that we would act upon it. Lord, I pray that following you would be the number one priority in our lives. God, before anything else, we would sit down and answer that question. Why, why are we doing what we're doing? And hopefully, Father, we'd be able to see that it's all because of you. Jesus, thank you for the way you love us. And we want to say this morning that we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name.